Because yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away. Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Hey, thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure. Bonnie D. here. This is so exciting. Week one of my ninth annual Crystal Ball Prediction Special. Used to do it with 14 guests in an hour when it was only on the phones. What a ride that was. Now I have the privilege of watching my guests think and project and be visionaries and futurists because we're on Zoom. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I have a little poem. Those of you who follow the show all year, and thank you to our fans, our listeners, our viewers all over the world. This year, we were ranked number six on the top 70 technology podcasts to listen to in 2023. Thank you by Feedspot. We've dropped a little in the rankings now, so I'm counting on all of you. Let's bring those numbers up. But I have a little bit of, we've been focusing on AI this year. I have a little bit of breaking news, and then I'm going to read my poem, which is something I input text to chat GPT. It gives me back and at one, 1,000, two, 1,000, there it is, like less than three seconds. And then I edit it and change it. So it sounds like a human wrote it. Sometimes it does, but here's the breaking news. This is from AI Tool Report. If any of you want to get that newsletter, let me know. It was from yesterday, the 5th of December, 2023. In 2023, AI's impact on technology was significant enough to influence the word of the year selections, get this, of the Oxford Dictionary, the Cambridge Dictionary, and the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. What do you think of that, Bob? The words hallucinate also made the top, authentic made the top. I say real deal. I don't like authentic anymore. And the word prompt was a runner up. So that's why I've been doing the future of something and AI all year. So let me read my poem. When I call your name, just wave. Okay, here we go. Welcome, worldwide audience, seekers of time's reprieve to week one crystal ball predictions where 2024 we will weave with host Bonnie D, a.k.a. Maestro Ella of Manana, somebody called me that, Sultaness of Speculation, Kirsten, I can't believe this, and the Diva of Divination Drama. Ah, no Doc Brown DeLorean needed. Our journey won't be too wild, but mind-bending, oh yes, like Marty McFly's guitar rift he styled. Hope you like that. A panel of seers, futurist creme de la creme, wave when I call you Mary, Dan, Jed, Josh, Kirsten, Bob. Are you all waving? I don't see anybody waving. I'm doing it again. Mary, Dan, Jed, Josh, Kirsten, Bob, Jason, Tom, and Eddie. She will welcome each of them. Leaders with vision, predictions on the air. A trip to the future. Marty McFly's can't compare. 2024's technologies our panelists will unveil. Confident and articulate. But will their words prevail? So fill your cup with Java Joe, Earl Jack, or Dom for technology revolution awaits our panels poised with aplomb. Let me see you all have aplomb. There you are. Join Bonnie D with her mic in red. She'll lead us into 2024, wishing you all a great year ahead. What'd you think of the poem? We get a thumbs up on that one? What'd you think? Everybody liked it? And he may, oh, he, okay, everybody, good. When I have my notes in front of me, I can only see half of you. So when I said I couldn't see you waving, don't be mad at me. Okay, so I'm going to do some very quick bios and just 
wave again hello, and then we will go into our predictions. It's going to be four minutes apiece, so let's get started here. Mary Nunley, the fiery co-founder of the Lavender Dragon Team, a force in the world of innovation and creativity. She brings playfulness and passion to everything she does. Welcome back, Mary. Dan Geller is here, Chief Creative Officer for Agency Renegades. I want to say it in French, Dan, Renegades. A regional brand strategy and marketing firm helping high-tech, e-commerce, and B2C organizations to find their difference, grow their business, and leverage generative AI. Welcome, Dan. We have Jed Taylor, the owner of X with the letter Explore Strategic, assisting companies in building and launching new products, former president of the small letter U Genius Technology, original creator of a novel video teller solution for banks that he sold to NCR. Woohoo! Welcome, Jed. Josh Leith is here, senior product manager for the thermal robotics at Yaskawa America, Motoman Robotics Division. Josh was attracted to robotics and automation due to the exciting progressive technology and the market need for expanded efficient manufacturing. Welcome, Josh. Kirsten is here. Kirsten Boylo. I did a radio show with her for years and years and years at SAP. She is a social selling and learning and development consultant who built her career over 17 years at SAP, where she drove and managed their multi-award winning global social selling program. And she recently launched, yay, Kirsten, Tyro, T-A-I-R-O Consulting. I know you're getting clients and I'm happy for you. Bob Ficken is back, founder of Ask hyphen HR, Ask HR Consultancy, 20 years, is that all, Bob, of HR leadership experience in retail, semiconductor, software, higher education, solar energy, wow, you get around, healthcare, defense contracting, B2B consulting, and aviation manufacturing. How about that? Welcome back, Bob. Jason Palmatier is here, speculative fiction author. We got an author here today, focusing on the impact of emerging technologies on society, writing short stories, novels, screenplays, independent comics, and graphic novels. Get this, everyone. He previously worked as a software developer. There you go. All of you, there are seeds for novels in you. Tom Madonna is back. VP, I get all choked up when I see you, Tom. VP of industry, VP industry advisory at SAP. I've known him for years. We did many radio shows together. He's an innovative executive with extensive experience in business development and revenue generation through effective operations management, as well as a professor. Welcome, Tom. And Eddie Vincent is here. Eddie and I go with so many people he's brought to my shows over the years, mostly authors. He's a publisher. He's the co-owner of N-Circle, E-N-C-I-R-C-L-E Publications, owner of ENC Graphic Services. He helps and supports self-publishing authors, and he's the president of the IPNE, that's the Independent Publishers of New England. And Eddie recently invited me to be his guest at the IPNE conference where I met some very interesting people. So how did I do on the bio reads? Anybody want to give me a round of applause here? What'd you think? She reads. I, I sat up all night rehearsing your body. No, I didn't. I'm a good cold reader. There you go. I used to play the piano like that, too. Let's get the party started. Mary Nunnally, speaker view. Let's start. Three, four minutes. What do you want to tell us about? Mary, welcome back. Thank you. Excited to be here and so much to cover in just two or three minutes. So I've got two predictions as it relates to learning and development and education. The first one it's kind of hot off the press with Meta just announcing their version of their AI-powered glasses. And I know that there's some discussion about privacy and stuff, but in the terms of learning and development, I'm thinking of like some of our clients who are sending technicians out into the field trying to fix, you know, big machines or different things. Having these AI glasses where they can take a video, send it back to somebody on their help desk, get an AI response and solve the problem could be game-changing. Yes, there are privacy concerns, but in the world of corporate, especially, this could be really a powerful tool. 
in terms of K-12 education, again, I would say some guardrails need to be put in place. But again, the way that the students can interact with each other, interact with the world, have conversations, create interviews. In the past, I've talked about, you know, creating chatbots that allow you to interview somebody from the past. Now, with these glasses, you could really bring that to life. So that's my prediction, number one, is that these glasses, once we get the privacy thing worked out, can really change the space in learning and development. The other prediction is just kind of building on what I had mentioned on the last show is using the chatbots that are available for anyone to create to build these really robust individualized learning experiences for students, especially again in that K-12 space where they can talk to people and bring, for example, history to life. So many of us snooze through history. I ended up being a history undergraduate uh, major, but in school it was so boring because it was just memorizing facts. If we can build these bots, you can interview the people that were there, you can experience the event. So my prediction is within the next year or two, you're going to see much more of that happening in the education space. Mary, you're ahead of schedule here. You get another minute or so. So I'm going to ask you, Mary, <laughs> listen to this, Mary. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. If you could interview somebody from history no longer alive, as far as we know, we'll just make that caveat. <laughs> Dan, you can smile now. Uh, Mary, who would that person be or the top two people you would like to interview through this new chatbot? What would you do? Um, I would want to interview Catherine the Great because she was just such a dynamic force in terms of shaping history. And I would also want to interview... Um, John Pertwee. <laughs> Who is that? Uh, John Pertwee is a uh, an actor. He um, was quite accomplished. His son, Sean Pertwee, is also an actor. But because you know that all my quotes come from a specific TV show, he was also my favorite doctor. He was the third doctor. And I would love <laughs> to hear about his experiences. Who? <laughs> There's an owl in here. Who? Mary, what question would you ask the actor? What would be the question you would ask him? So the question I would ask the actor is, what was it like playing an iconic character? And could you ever imagine how popular that character would become in over 60 years? Okay, very interesting. I might, if we have time, in addition to what people are drinking over the holiday, I might ask you if you could go back and ask a question or interview somebody who's no longer with us, who that person would be. That's an interesting, interesting filler question. Thank you very much, Mary. <laughs> Delighted to have you here. By the way, Mary has been a resource for me this year in, in bringing me topics, bringing me other guests, bring me a lot of very, very interesting people, as many of you have been. So thank you very much. If you came to this show through the good graces of Mary, we say thank you to Mary Nunnally become a friend as well and a wonderful poster on LinkedIn. There we go. Dan Geller, he's got to leave early. So we moved him up to number three, number two on the lineup today. Dan, I will give you some information about a microphone later, but let's see how you do. Dan, three or four minutes. Go ahead and regale us with your predictions. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, mine's kind of hopes to be positive. I think there's a lot of um, fear that we've heard about where people are thinking that they're going to lose their jobs to AI. And um, I just don't really think that that I, I think I don't really think it's as bad as people think. I actually think there's going to be a lot of new jobs that are coming in. And so when I when I talk about like new jobs or the loss of jobs, I, I think you have to kind of balance it out with what's going to actually show up. There's a quote on the Internet that has been flying around and a lot of people like me use it, which says that 
you're not going to lose your job to AI. You're going to lose your job to someone else who knows how to harness the power of AI. And, and I think that's true, but I think that we really need to look at how jobs are probably going to shift. And I'd say that that shift is, is happening now, but I think it's also going to happen over the next 20 years. And so when I, when I think about the jobs, yeah, some jobs are changing right now. I would say I would probably, if you're really worried and you're a data entry specialist or you're a travel agent, and these are things that have been happening previous to AI, yeah, those jobs are probably going to go away. AI does very simple like data processing really well, right? We can go on the internet and buy our tickets and stuff. And I'm sorry, travel agents, but that is something that's been going away for a while. But I think, so yes, there are some jobs that will change right away or in the, in the very near term, but you also have to look at some of the new jobs that are coming in right now that AI has just produced. And so I'm talking about like machine learning jobs and um, some of the kind of AI data research jobs that are coming in. And these are really high paying jobs and, and they're kind of especially. So these are, this is like net new creation of jobs. There's supposed to be at least 100,000 machine learning jobs right now in the world that are available. So these are very high paying jobs. Then behind that comes the what's going to happen to all of our the good careers that are out there and how will they change? So I don't think we'll lose jobs. I think that, for example, if you're a doctor, you'll have AI-enabled tools that will allow you to do more research and we'll be able to figure out how to get to a solution that helps solve people's problems. Or if you're a, an attorney, there, there are tools. I was at MIT the other day, for example, and there was an amazing tool that helped do some research that was through AI that validated legal findings. So I think that lawyers will be in the near future, very near future, will be, you know, empowered by some of these AI tools. And then, so that's kind of the third category. The last category I would say is that there's all these jobs that we don't yet know will show up that I think are going to show up over the next few years. So I, for example, I really believe that there will be new forms of kind of personalized, and I've talked with Mary about this, personalized coaching for students and for educators where we will have agents, AI agents working with us, but we'll actually have teachers and experts that are really helpful at build at kind of crafting that experience for a given student or a given student body. We'll also have, you know, uh, let's say, AI ethicists that are working with new tools. So I think that there's going to be a lot of jobs. And I think the positive thing is you just have to kind of keep focused on all this stuff, keep training on it, working on it, and expecting that it's going to change. But I think if you're in the mix, it's a good outcome. Thank you, Dan. Two questions. If you could interview somebody in history through one of Mary's chatbots, who would that person be? And the first question you would ask, what do you think? Uh, I would I would interview Steve Jobs. Um, I think that Steve Jobs, um, first of all, created a revolution with the iPhone, and I think he was way ahead of his time. I know that he and another a bunch of people created it, but he gets credit for it. Um, I would probably ask him um, if he had any insight into what AI was coming around, which I don't think he did, and if he was empowered with those types of opportunities back then. What would he have done different with the iPhone? And how does he think that it would have affected our lives? And also, what are some controls he might have put on it so that we felt a little bit more safe about our privacy and things like that? Thank you. I would ask him where he got his wonderful black turtlenecks and who decided all the packaging should be pure white. 
That's what I would ask him. Okay, thank you. And by the way, this show was originally, uh, Kirsten remembers this, Coffee Break with Game Changers, which I started for SAP in 2011. The first show, live show, was October 5th, 2011. And two hours after that first show, we found out Steve Jobs had passed away. So interesting. That date is seared, seared in my mind for several reasons. I'm also waiting for my gold watch from Apple because I've been a customer since 1988. And if I tell you how many tens of that, we're way up over 100,000 now, maybe 200,000 in investment. How many max? I don't know. They're holding up plants and clothes right now. Okay. Thank you, Dan. If you have to go, we are sorry you can leave at any time and just wave goodbye. And Dan, I'll send you some microphone information afterwards. Happy holidays. Let's go to Jed Taylor. Jed, I just met you a couple of weeks ago. Happy to have you here. And why don't you go ahead and give us your predictions? Thank you. It's good to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to share some ideas. I'm going to if I have time, I'm going to share a potpourri of three different ideas in, in slightly different topics. But the first one is I feel like AI up to date has been focused on the creation of digital assets, such as written content, information, images. I believe AI will begin to impact the physical world and it will really transform our lives. And so my first crystal ball prediction is that we will marry advanced multi-material 3D printing with problem-solving capabilities and uh, the computing capabilities of AI models to create physical gadgets that we can use to solve real-world problems. So AI models, they have the ability to virtually analyze a lot of different solutions, and then they can take previously successful designs and bring all those things together to build a new 3D model. That 3D model then can be printed on a 3D printer. So and then given the, the capabilities of a 3D printer, you can actually do that at home. So imagine where you can create, uh, you know, problem-solving devices at home. Uh, and the AI prompt essentially is what your problem is. So, for example, you could say something like, I'm teaching a college freshman uh, chemistry class, and I need a visual aid that's going to help me illustrate the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Or you're going to say, um, I dropped my earbuds under my car seat and I can't reach it. Here's a photo. I need a tool to help me retrieve it. So bringing together the model, the AI model, and bringing in physical capabilities to bring those together, I really think will be a game changer. My second crystal ball prediction is somewhat similar, and I hope uh, I'm not taking anything from Josh because he's the manufacturing expert, not me. But uh, my, my prediction would be that we will apply AI to micro-manufacturing to create customer-specific solutions or customized products. So in the past few decades, manufacturing has really exploded in Eastern Asia. And so the long shipping uh, really has required us to focus on mass manufacturing. But as manufacturing starts moving to the North America, um, I think AI will be used to train uh, existing um, AI models will be trained on product designs and on customer input and um, create customizations that could be done very quickly without the aid of a lot of human involvement to create these uh, these uh, custom designs. So, you know, why do mass marketing or mass, mass manufacturing when you can do micro manufacturing with the aid of AI? And my last crystal ball prediction is very different. Um, I, I think that the uh, generative AI particularly will follow a similar path to what the music industry went through 
regarding copyrights, royalties, and content creation. So in the early days of music streaming, for those of us that were around, Napster really disrupted music by making music accessible to everyone for what we believed was free. And it appeared that for a time that all of the copyright rules were thrown out the window and users were downloading everything without any royalties and the artists were left with nothing. I think generative AI is in its wild west phase right now. In fact, um, last month, there was a group of nonfiction writers that filed a complaint against OpenAI and Microsoft for using copyrighted material to train their models without permission, without royalties. And so we're in that wild west phase. But the music industry figured out new streaming models, and they're able to restore uh, the security for those copyright uh, works. And I think right now, it'd be very difficult, and people have no incentive to actually go in and try to get uh, basically still music uh, for the most part. So my prediction is that I think the AI models will go, or the AI business models will evolve uh, to make it a little bit more easier to uh, protect those copyrights. So let me give you an example. Um, Adobe and Getty Images are emphasizing as they're going to market that their generative AI engines creating their images have only been trained on licensed, licensed content. So that really protects those that are using their models to get images, they're, they're protected. And so I think in general business models, We'll take a little bit of time to catch up to where the AI technology is going. But as we evolve, I think there's going to be a transition where we get out of the Wild West and we get into sustainable business models that protect the creators. Thank you. That will be a big relief. And we know what Hollywood had just got, has just gone through, right, with the writers and yeah. waiting. And wait. by the way, a lot of the I watch French language, detective, thriller, romantics, whatever, mostly procedurals. And they are now catching up to shows that have been done, produced in 2019, 2020, 2021, 2020. So I'm getting season four season, and they're now streaming them and catching up. So I don't miss my regular network shows quite so much. There you go. Uh, Jed, which historical figure no longer with us would you interview in one question quick? It would have to be Abraham Lincoln, and it would be an understanding of how he went through his personal turmoils and still continued on with his uh, vision of the future for our country. Very well put. Thank you, Jed. Very, very interesting. I can't wait for micro tools. And I do lose stuff in the car seats once in a while. What can I tell you? Thank you very much. We'd love more examples at the future time. Josh Leith is with us. Josh, you've just been uh, summoned by Mr. Taylor. So it so happens you're next in the lineup. Josh, welcome. Let's hear from you. What are your predictions? Hi, Bonnie. Thanks uh, also for having me here. It's uh, exciting to be part of this group. But uh, yeah, I'd say Jed is right on with kind of what my predictions are. So my uh, predictions have to do with industrial robots and AI in 2024 and beyond. Um, uh, you know, anyone that's familiar with industrial robots know that it has to be a very repeatable process, something that requires a lot of lines of code. Somebody has to sit down and decide what that repeatable process is, and that robot's going to do that process again and again and again very well for a very long time, right? So if it's not repeatable, the, the robot doesn't know what to do. It can't think. That's where AI comes in. Uh, we've had a lot of startup companies, a lot of our uh, even customers come up with different types of AI for very specific tasks, um, but that's usually PC-based. It's happening on a, a very expensive supercomputer, for example, and you get latency issues when it's going from computer to robot. So last week at IREX, 
uh, ourselves and some other companies uh, in the industry released more AI-driven robots that are happening within the processors of the robot itself. So what that means is instead of lines of code that you create, it's all task-based. So you're teaching those robots what to do, what to look for, how to sort things. Uh, so this would be great for applications like pick and place, uh, partial sortation, so your UPS, DH, DHL, FedEx of the world, uh, food preparation, I'll get a little more into that here in a moment, but even inspection of things like welds, so the welds on a car, uh, the paint on the car, uh, inspection of produce, circuit boards, et cetera. Uh, so with that food piece, though, in my opinion, that is the largest potential area for automation growth because of AI. So this is everything from processing, like at factories, where some of that uh, automation is done today. Uh, more so, though, preparation work, distribution, grocery stores, grocery delivery, for example. You know, something that, you know, if I want to pick out the best apple or the best batch of strawberries, we don't trust robots to do that today, where AI is going to open that up more for uh, everyday use. Uh, processing alone is 21,000 U.S. companies with $750 billion of, of revenue. Um, but I, again, I think on the restaurant side, that's even more interesting because restaurants, it's very uh, highly variable work that's going on. It's not the same, you know, one person wants their burger cooked differently than another. So uh, that, that'd be something that'd be very hard to automate today. But some stats I pulled up from the National Restaurant Association, there are over 1 million U.S. restaurant locations in the U.S., 70% are single unit operations. So it's not McDonald's budget, right, to try to automate things. Uh, the third largest industry by employment is fast food, and restaurants as a whole make up about 6% of the U.S. workforce. So that's a huge number of highly repeatable potential jobs. Um, you say, well, kind of like what uh, Dan was saying before, what about those jobs? Uh, well, the average job tenure of an employee within that industry is less than two months. So these are jobs that are typically high churn anyways, that somebody would be more interested in doing something with higher value with their time, of course. Uh, the participation of low-cost high school labor is nearly half of what it was a decade ago. So the high school kids that maybe filled a lot of those roles for the summer or winter, uh, that that labor doesn't exist anymore. They're focused on schools. They're, they're focused on sports. They're, they're focused on uh, gaining other skills rather than, you know, spending time in the restaurant. It's about $6,000 to replace a restaurant employee. 51% uh, of owners say hiring, training, and retaining staff is their biggest challenge. And 170 million Americans eat out every day. So again, just all to say your biggest potential area of automation, thanks to AI, is going to be within that food space. Uh, also part of that, too, if you look at indoor farming, so all those fields that were full of corn and beans and tomatoes before, uh, you know, sprayed with pesticides and everything else that everybody wants to try to avoid, a lot of that's moving indoors. So you see the greenhouses, but now vertical farms where you can actually introduce more robotics. And again, AI looking for what's the ripe tomato, what's the perfect strawberry. Uh, and there's a few companies out there today that are doing that. But again, these, this uh, test-based AI is really going to expand those areas. Um, so yeah, more and more non-repeatable tasks that can be automated that um, um, will be automated in the future. Uh, to kind of feed off what Dan was saying as well with uh, you know, jobs that don't exist today, uh, it was recently I was reading a McKinsey report, and I, I apologize, I don't remember the date, but it's something like 2040, 30 to 35% of the jobs that exist in 2040 do not exist today. So that's how fast we are changing. There, you know, the, the bank teller kind of thing, right? There's so many bank tellers 10 years ago, it's a lot less today. Those people aren't unemployed. You know, there's still two open jobs for every one employee looking for jobs right now. Uh, it's just there are other new jobs, maybe in the AI space or maybe in the art space uh, that will be filled by those employees.
Thank you. Wow. I have two questions for you. Number one, I thought I was hungry and now I'm not anymore when I heard about the stuff. I'm not one of the 5 billion who go to, to take out restaurants. Josh, I'm going to flip the question for you briefly. Sure. If you could interview a robot character in a movie that was made five or 10 years ago, what character, I realize this is, I'm springing it on you. What yeah, character, a, what would you ask them? Is there a, from a iRobot or something? You want to think about it and come back to me later? The first one that comes to mind is Wally, right? So I have two young children. They love Disney. You know, Wally is kind of this emotional uh, robot character that's kind of be- becoming more self-realized. So, you know, how would you, you know, talk to Wally in such a way to say, you know, what is it that you see going from machine to more of a personality, right? And that's that kind of lies in that creepy side of the AI space, I guess. But uh, uh, that, that's the first one that comes to mind. Thank you very much. Let's move on to Kristen. Kristen Boyleau, so happy to see you here. I hope the new business is going well. Why don't you give us your three to three and a half minutes of predictions? I want to make sure we get everybody in. Go ahead, Kristen. Thanks, Bonnie. And so wonderful to hear um, everybody's predictions so far. And I, I I wanted to jump in so many times and say, yeah, I saw that or I heard that or I've experienced that. Um, like, Josh, you were talking about um, industry robots. And I, I come from an agricultural industry background. And um, we used robots in manufacturing back way back. That was a long time ago, 25 years ago, <laughs> we were using them. So um, my first prediction actually has something to do with what Jed was saying in regards to um, taking, you know, the, the um, people's needs and, uh, and, and problem solving and using that AI to create um, physical models or physical tools to be able to help them. And I'm talking from a learning perspective, um, but I think AI can really be used to um, develop accessi- accessibility options for people to, um, for those who are deaf or blind or have learning disabilities or whatever they may need. Uh, AI will be able to respond um, to those needs in such a way that doesn't take away from the the learning itself and the impact of the learning, but um, meets their needs in such a way so that they can uh, get the most out of the learning. Um, that was my my first prediction, um, and I think that that will be really interesting. It's you know, from a corporate environment, there are so many people that uh, need that accessibility option. Um, but the the way that we've gone about it in the past with just providing, you know, some text along the bottom, which isn't necessarily accurate, uh, those kinds of things really, um, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for AI to uh, to really step up the game there. Um, I also think that uh, one of the biggest factors that impacts the generation of content. So the, um, you know, as you're building out learning programs and building out learning content, one of the biggest um, impediments to that is time because it requires so much um, person uh, hours to actually develop that content, to think through what needs to be um, part of that content and then do all the iterations to finally get to a, an end uh, result from an instructional design perspective, AI can actually create some of that content, that initial content, and then you can leverage your subject matter experts within the, um, within the business to be more of um, editors and refiners of that content rather than actually creating it from, from scratch. And, and that takes a lot less time uh, off of them. There are currently there are some issues with um, with that. There there's some you know I've used I actually have used it in in my own um, 
business and have found that there's if you're not very specific about exactly what it is that you are looking to generate content on um, or if you, there's perhaps a misunderstanding it can create more issues than it does solve problems however um, you know as we all learn and as we all uh, move forward with uh, utilizing AI in this way um, I think there you know be a lot easier to um, to get around those kinds of things and I think another thing that I'm um, really excited to see happen is uh, creating learning that is responsive so um, in uh, in learning you often have like some sort of knowledge check at the end of a session and if uh, the the an employee or the participant perhaps answers only part of those questions or doesn't get quite all the facts straight or doesn't um, seem to really be able to apply what it is that they need to apply or or not applying it in the right way being uh, for ai to to be able to be responsive and you know, guide them towards a, a next step or a, a review of something without a, a program manager having to step in and say, okay, no, you need to go back and take this again so that you do understand it. I think having that very responsive learning um, in technology would be really, really interesting to see uh, as a, you know, way to really elevate the learning um, and really elevate the, the impact of that learning on the business. Thank you, Kirsten. Who would you like to? It's always lovely to talk to you. Who would you like to interview? Who's no longer with us? Uh, Queen Elizabeth, actually. Uh, and I would love to ask her, uh, a Canadian here, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I would love to ask her if she has any regrets, whether it's about decisions that she made or um, how she, you know, had to manage things in her own family, you know, all of those kinds of things. There's a book and a movie in there, Kirsten, a new one. Maybe it will be the truth for a change. Thank you, Bob Ficken. We're ready for you. Go ahead. I'm ready and I bring presents for the audience. My first prediction is that within the next 15 to 20 years, we will have three-day work weeks. That's uh, per uh, no less an authority than Mr. Bill Gates in a recent interview with Inc. Now, I think we'll have to go to four-day work weeks first. As kind of a precursor to that, but he says that thanks to AI, we will have three-day work weeks between 2035 and 2040. So, happy holidays. And? <laughs> My second one is, according to Sam Altman, the CEO of uh, OpenAI, or, or is he with Microsoft? At, at this or, moment, at this minute in with, time. Yes, he's back at okay, OpenAI. Yeah. Uh, he says that as fascinated as we are with AI today, AI is, will be quaint within a year. What's coming next will be even more than what we have today. So much more. In fact, um, according to Sam, all the things that we talk about, whether it's 100% cures for all disease in medicine, thanks to scissors and DNA work or individualized education or flying cars. We'll see it all here in the next 15 years or so. We won't bother, my next one is you won't bother with software operating systems anymore. You simply talk to your AI agent or your system, tell it what you want and it will produce it. 
No operating systems, no nothing. It will interpret your command and it'll know what to do. Which is going to drastically change computers and cell phones. And in fact, I know, uh, Bonnie, you didn't have a chance to look at it, but yesterday I sent Bonnie and uh, some information about a two inch square pin that people can wear now that is connected to T-Mobile and you can talk to it. It will notify you of your flight spend reschedules, <laughs> whatever you want. It's gonna be pretty incredible. And then my last prediction is your AI agent will be a voice in your ear. We won't need to use computers or cell phones or anything anymore. You're in your ear, whether it's slightly you know, similar to the iPods we wear today or the you know whatever we use, everything will be in your ear. You'll tell your AI agent, I need to find some chicken masala for dinner tonight. Where do I go? And it will direct you. You know, or my flight's been, you know, it'll tell you your flight's been delayed. Do you want me to book you a new one? And you'll say yes, and it will do it. Or I'll present two or three offers to you and you'll tell it which one you want. It's going to be pretty incredible. And then uh, the flying cars, a little specifically, I dug into that a little bit. I think it's going to happen sooner. It's going to happen probably by 2032. We're going to see flying cars by the Jetsons. Bob, thank you, Bob. I'm hungry. I'm ready for chicken marsala. Last time I had it, it wasn't very good. So if AI can give me a better restaurant. Bob, who, who would you like to speak to from history? And one question you would ask them. Sure. I would love to talk to Samuel Clemens, uh, better known as Mark Twain. Who had quite an imagination. And that's what I'd like to know is where his stories came from and how he came up with all the wonderful books he wrote. Thank the ideas you. for them. Thank you. Mary, see what you started with your prediction? My goodness. That's why I put you first. You got a whole new, new slant on the show. Jason Palmatier, we're ready for you. Jason, welcome. Let's hear from you. Three, three and a half minutes. Go. Okay, excellent. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, my prediction is I'll just focus on writing, since that's what I do, uh, and fiction writing specifically. And I think in the future, uh, nowadays, uh, you know, agents and editors and publishing houses want series because they know if they got a audience for a series, and the next book is going to have a certain uh, number of sales. And so I think that the uh, future of publishing is going to be that as an author, you're going to write two to three books in a series, and at that point, you're going to feed those books into an AI. And the AI is going to write the fourth book for you, say, and then you're going to go and tweak it and it'll probably be like 80% done and you'll, you'll go and tweak it and then you get the fourth book and you put it out there Then you'll feed that book into your AI and you'll make it make the fifth book. So you're essentially training your own ghostwriter. And by the time your ghostwriter is trained on like the fourth or fifth book, it'll be able to spit books out. And all you'll have to do is kind of essentially feed it the beat sheet, you know, like the inciting action and the midpoint and tell what characters are supposed to be in it. And it'll create the books and, you can then churn out the books because the publishers really want, like, there's a series my kids read called Warriors. It's about cats and stuff. But there's a bazillion Warriors books, and they produce so many of them. You know that they have to have ghostwriters behind, you know, producing multiple ones per year. But now you as, an, uh, as a, you know, writer yourself can have those produced by your personal ghostwriting AI uh, and keep up with that demand. Uh, which is some people are like, oh, it's terrible. But as long as you're in control of that AI and you still have all the rights to your, you know, your stories and stuff, then there's not really a problem with it. You know, I'm, that, that's actually freeing. I know a couple of writers who are kind of stuck in their series. Like they want to write a different book, but that's right. They 
the agent and publisher they want the next book in the series but they would be free now they could create that book for them while they work on a new new series and what that also does is it allows you to build up this sort of you know pantheon of series that you're producing or your ai ghostwriters are producing so that you get more income and can maybe actually make a living as a writer not necessarily as a major published you know like bestseller um but as an independent uh writer uh so i think that's that's my first one the second one is a sort of ancillary in that like one of the big problems of being an independent uh writer is the fact that you have to go through the whole process of editing and you got to find somebody to do that and you have to you know self-publish yourself that takes a lot of time and money usually because you have to pay an editor i think there'll be a editor ai that gets created very soon that you'll just send your your manuscript to and it will do all of the obviously type um setting type stuff you know it'll it'll go through and check for all the typos like we essentially have that now with grammarly uh but it'll do the other stuff too i think it'll give you style tips and it'll give you uh sort of a rating of whether it fits your you know style that you've re written before uh other than that i think that the the next big place where ai can help is in the actual publishing itself because uh you know right now if you want to publish your own book you go to amazon and you got to go through jump through those hoops in order to put it out there and then you go to you know to put it on nook you got to put it in a certain format i think there'll be an ai that does that for you very soon if there's not one now there may even be one now where you you know essentially give your manuscript to that and it produces everything that you need in order in the right format to go on those platforms um but yeah those are those are my predictions all I can say is, wow, I'm still working on my first novel, and I can't seem to – every time I go back to edit it and clean up the murder mystery part of this scathingly satirical comedy thriller something, almost murder, I have so much fun writing more, Jason, that I just keep writing and writing and writing and never – so I'm finally putting in something like, if you really want to get to the murder, turn to page 33, because I'm just getting lost in the details, and Eddie will be after time, and we'll hear about the publishing side. Jason? Jason, it was very exciting. Jason, I'm going to ask you, what writer or someone else would you like oh. to speak to from history in one question? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I'll say J.R.R. Tolkien. And just to see, I would ask him now, like, you know, if you see the explosion of everything like Dungeons and Dragons, which is really inspired by, you know, his writing, uh, you know, what he thinks of that, that the state of sort of the high fantasy thing that he created and whether he's pleased with it or if he's like, oh, well, that's not what I was going for. Thank you yeah. very much. And I was intrigued with your comment about series. If you feed your original novel into AI and say, write me the fourth version or the fifth in the series, you own that content. You're absolutely right. It's not stealing from anybody, but maybe some thoughts from what's already in the LLM on styling. So there, right. there is probably a gray area in there. Let's move on. Somebody mentioned flying taxis, and we've got our automotive expert here waiting in the wings, Mr. Tom Madonna. Tom, you're up. Three minutes, four minutes. Go. Thanks, Bonnie. I think, uh, you know, a couple of topics I've brought up in the past and I think are going to make predictions in regards to things that will be happening. Um, you know, data is underlying pinning of every conversation we've had today. And the ownership of that data is probably the the biggest legal problem that's coming up. So I predict that there'll be some land setting legal case next year in regards to trying to solve the problem that Napster started with with uh, the stop with the uh, with this music and that will be the same case going on. So as we start to look at the the data, we start looking at the execution, who owns it, how's it being used, uh, what's the copyrights on it. I think the, that is going to be one of the larger topics that AI is going to have to deal with over the course of the next uh, year to two years. I think security is second. 
And that was brought up by Mary in regards to some of the things with education. I think the security of the data, the security of what's being done, how it's being used. Uh, there's a commercial that's just out as of recent where they were actually publicizing um, two parents, uh, the number of uh, photographs are being put out by their kids uh, in regards to picking pictures, et cetera, where AI had taken uh, early pictures and then basically graphically enhanced them to older age individuals, took their identities, stole the identities, and then started using them online uh, in regards to it. And, and at this point, I think the the subject of the uh, conversation was a five-year-old, and they already had a social security number, multiple jobs, uh, filed pieces, et cetera. So really interesting in the fact that that's already there and that security is that privacy is already being put out there. So I, I think there's going to be another case that's going to be part of that. Both of those, I think, will happen in the next two to three years. But as you apply that in a in a right way of thinking, I think you know there's things that I think are are definitely examples that have been uh, very beneficial this year. You know, take the Beatles' uh, last release, uh, you know, that just came out. They were able to take John Lennon's um, vocals and put it together with the current Beatles and actually produce uh, their last hit. Uh, and it was a great understanding of, uh, of not only the, the song, but also of the sound that they produced back in the 60s and 70s. I think the other thing that's interesting that was mentioned is coding. I believe that uh, you're going to see the first coding uh, engines that are going to be out within the next 12 to 18 months uh, for you're going to be able to basically put in the conversation. We've already got one, but you put in the conversation and the, and the development is actually occurring behind the scenes. I think there's going to be uh, another one that's going to happen within the, uh, the uh, telecom industry where you're no longer going to have to worry about switches. You're not going to have to worry about which, which uh, network you're on or which provider you're going. Your phone will be smart enough to basically retune you to wherever it needs to be at the lowest common denominator at the lowest price. And then not only do you get that, but then you get that back as a refund back onto your, onto your bill. So I think there's a lot of things that AI is going to provide. And I believe that the, um, mundane, uh, repetitive processes that are currently in jobs today are going to go away. So again, I go back to uh, the conversation of, of, you know, the short oil cook uh, or even uh, the, the, the AR clerk. Uh, those tasks will, will be gone and it'll be uh, the analytics that's going on with the data that's being retrieved back from AI that is going to be have to be done in analysis and actually then acted upon that's going to be uh, the next step in AI. Not only the doing, but actually the uh, the thinking. Thank you. What about flying taxis, Tom? We wanted some automotive predictions from you. Are they coming flying taxis, soon? Flying, flying taxis will be out in the next two years. Whether or not they're operationally commercialized is going to be part of it. You can see that uh, with the Honda commercial. They've already got the the active uh, clone out. It's actually working. Um, it's probably been in prototype for approximately six to nine months. Uh, but is it going to be commercialized? There's a lot of things that have to happen with that first. Um, secondarily is it's not AI driven. It's still going to be driven by a person. So yes, you're going to see the flying taxi, but then the question is going to be an auto flying taxi. Um, it's taken the, the auto car uh, a while to get out and the autonomous car is still working through pieces. Uh, there was a, a, a picture on the internet uh, this past week of uh, Tesla's manufacturing plant in California and the 187 burnt out vehicles that were basically laid out based upon the engines and the, the fires on the batteries. None of those were autonomous. They were all basically driven. So there are technology pieces that we are working through on a day-to-day -day basis, but I think the flying car and uh, the flying taxi is, is just around the corner. 
Thank you. Which person in history would you like to talk to in one question, Tom? Well, two, two are my Mari picks. So I'm going to go uh, with a third, and I would say Frank Herbert. And the reason I bring Frank up is the release of uh, the third copy of, of Dune uh, on a movie is coming out. Um, I spent uh, a great deal of my uh, teenage years and 20 years reading uh, all four or five books. I think the question would be, what uh, drove him to, to write that? Secondarily, you know, what would be his next step in the evolution and uh, the creative processes? Because you think about where that book started and then what came out after. Star Wars came out after, Star Trek came out after. So that book basically laid the groundwork to what I would say modern day science fiction today. Thank you very much, Eddie Vincent. You've been so patient. Let's hear from you. We got a publisher in the house, everybody. We've been talking about that books and fantasy. And go ahead, Eddie. Welcome. What are your predictions? Well, you guys covered everything already, so it's kind of tough to come up with a new one. <laughs> but I, I think in the publishing world, I think AI will, will help authors find their audience because they'll help them market to the people that are looking for their types of books. That's going to be the biggest thing is going to be on the advertising side. Uh, and I also think that AI will help with the prompts, with the stories. If someone has writer's block, we'll say, you know, I think they'll, they'll look at their previous books and they'll say, Hey, try this. And it will, it will get them thinking again. Um, those are the types of things I think AI is going to help the boat the most with. Um, Eddie, what about you as a publisher? Are you using AI? Is there any helping, helping your business in any way? Um, well, it will help on the marketing side of things. And as a publisher, I'd be very careful on taking a manuscript that has been created by AI or even partially created by AI because there's a lot of copyright issues with that. So what, what would I be able to copyright under our imprint you know, it's always the author that gets the copyright, but a lot of times the publishers do the copyright. So there's copyright laws that have to be concerned with. And and I don't know if I'd take a book that has been done done with AI, at least not where it is right now. So let's say if Jason Pometier was putting in his, his first three books in a series and he put them into AI and he said, bring me a fourth book in my series, and he could vouch to you, Eddie, as a publisher that, oh, let me go to to everybody, gallery review here. Uh, if he could vouch to you as a publisher that he as the author was the sole owner of the content that he put into AI for that fourth book, would you take that fourth book and publish it for him? My guess is no. Talk to Jason. I would have him. to. I would have to. I really have to have a conversation with the author and, and and look into the legalities of it. Interesting. Okay, we've got a possibility for a future show here. Should we do a show on? We got to get back to AI and writing and publishing. So Eddie and Jason, you want to come and do a show with me in February and bring Eddie, bring two more of your authors. Okay. And we'll sure. do a show. Yeah, that'd be great. I, yeah. I love the the controversy of it. Eddie, in history, who to whom would you like to ask a question who's no longer with us? Um, well, I don't know if he's with us or not, but I think he's got Tom Clancy. I don't know if he's I, I'd want to know where he got his ideas for all his books. You know, where where did the inspiration come from? Very interesting. Thank you all. I'm I'm amazed at well. 
I didn't invite you all because you had the same topics or even overlapping topics, but we never know with these prediction shows, right, Tom? You've been on and Kirsten have been on. We never know what people are going to say or where their where their future vision is going to go. So it's very interesting. We had so many interesting. I was watching the nods up and down. We do have, oh my goodness, we have two and a half minutes left. I, I want to use that. So let's go to what are you planning to drink that's special over the holiday? And let's just go really, really fast around the table. I'm going to go in the original order. So Mary, what are you drinking? I'm going to have shamadan tea, otherwise known as hot slivovitz. Whoa. You have a recipe real fast for us? Uh, it's slivovitz, a little bit of sugar, some water. You boil it, you drink it, and you burn out your throat. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's an Eastern European plum brandy. There you thank you very much. Jed Taylor, what are you drinking? Hot chocolate with the mini marshmallows. And I don't drink hot chocolate very frequently, but uh, during the holidays it's a it's a special treat. Very nice. What do you use for the chocolate part? Is it dry cocoa when you mix it with sugar? Or do you have a special yes. uh, blend? No, dry cocoa. It the, the cocoa's not as important as the marshmallow. Ooh, okay. <laughs> mini, good brand. Yes, pay a little more. Let's go to Josh Leith for holidays. What are you drinking? Oh, probably lots of hot cocoa too. I like that one. We like to go to a lot of the outdoor stuff with the kids and uh, there's always hot cocoa at hand, right? So that's uh, that's a favorite of our family at the holiday. Anybody mixing it with a with a candy cane? With a little bit of mint in there? No? Yes. Maybe. maybe. Used, used to be. There's an idea for you. I have we're an idea too. adult beverages. <laughs> well, we're get, well, we didn't get to you yet, Bob. That's your job. Kirsten, what are you drinking? I like the Jack Frost cocktail. Um, Wait, yeah. It's uh, lemonade, vodka, Prosecco, ice, and blue carousel. I think uh, Bob might be writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Bob, you're next. What are you drinking besides what Kristen just mentioned? Hot apple pie, one of my favorite adult drinks. Two ounces, tawaka, half a cup of apple cider, hot, stir with a cinnamon stick, whipped cream if you like. Tastes like apple pie, awesome. Very nice, and the aftertaste is a glow, right? Jason Palmatier, what are you drinking? I do hot chocolate too, but I mix in in the holidays like Kahlua or something, some sort of alcoholic coffee or chocolate beverage. Just got adult. Tom, drinking? Uh, Start with eggnog and Thanksgiving and then work to anything that's in my hand uh, through Christmas. (laughs) Eddie Vincent, what are you drinking? Uh, Just apple cider. It's plain old apple cider. Plain old apple cider. I'll give you all a clue. Uh, If you go on Amazon or anywhere, they make little uh, a whisk that is battery run, and it has its own little stand. Stands on the counter. It's fifteen bucks or something. And if you put your your heavy whipping cream into a little uh, metal container, stick the container in the fridge first with ice cubes, then clean it out, put it in, and this thing will whisk in about a minute and a half whipped cream, just enough to put on your hot chocolate or whatever you drink, and it's perfect. Add a little sugar. I said that and do that. I want to thank Andrew, my engineer. I want you all. Wave goodbye. And we have we have a quick out. You know what we're going to do at the end. I want you all to put up your finger. Stop waving first. We're going to do no, no, no. On the count of three, you're going to say no, no, no. People say the future was already here. And our answer is one, two, three. Loud. No, 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 no. no. That's because, well, that was a little weak on the third one. (laughs) No, no. Because that was yesterday's future. It's come. It's gone. My sentence was the future. I didn't say it. And now I did. And it's gone. We're all going to do our best. AI, it's here to make next year and the years after a much better one. Now you can all wave goodbye. Bye to LinkedIn. Bye to Facebook. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you to Voice America. And Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. 
Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. 